I-V-E. So each heading will begin with one of those letters. The first thing that the, Paul, uh, the Apostle Paul teaches us is that our giving, our attitude to giving, should be gratitude. It should be grateful. We should, we should learn, discipline ourselves to be grateful givers. Paul makes a very close correlation between giving and gratitude. Look with me at um, verse 11. He says, you know, as you give, you will be made rich in every way so that you can be generous on every occasion and through us, your generosity will result in thanksgiving to God. Verse 12, this service that you perform is not only supplying the needs of the Lord's people but is also overflowing in many expressions of thanks to God. In, in the practical realm of, of giving to others in need, giving, if you like, on a horizontal plane, what's released in us and in others is, is a, a release vertically, as it were. That, that in giving that way, there's a release of thanksgiving that way. There's a connection, if you like, that's made, a, a stronger connection made between the giving people and the giving God. See, here's the premise on which Paul is working. And um, if we can have Psalm 24, don't worry to turn to it. But here's what the psalmist says in um, Psalm 24, verse 1. The earth is the Lord's and everything in it, the world and all who live in it. Paul is saying, you know, he's basically sort of countering this idea that we, we can kind of sink into that, you know, this is, this is my life. Well, what would I do with my life or my career or my options as if it all belonged to us? But Paul's saying, no, you see, the, the premise is that the earth and everything in it is the Lord's. All that we have, it's not our possession. It's not for us to possess or consume. It's for us to steward and to look after. It, 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 we borrow it all the while that we're on earth that doesn't belong to us. The earth is the Lord's and everything in it. He, our, our lives, our, our bodies, our very existence. How was Adam, according to Genesis, how was Adam formed? He was just dust of the earth. What made him alive? The Ruach, the breath of God. God breathed life into Adam. And he became, Scripture says, a living being. Your life, my life, and everything associated with it, it's the Lord's. And I'm called to live this life on earth as a sort of gift offering to others that releases thanks and praise to him. That's, that's, that's basically why we're here. I steward what I have, my gifts, my temperament, my personality, all the things I'm good at, I enjoy doing, I steward them and I offer them to others. I, I release them. I kind of blow them out so that others may be blessed and praise and thanks is released to God. What a vision for life. The rest is kind of details. So when we give with, with grateful hearts, what we're doing is realigning with the God who gives. Because the earth is the Lord's. Everything we have is because he's given it to us. It's his. The ground we sit on, the, the bricks and mortar we use to make this building, the, the jobs we do, the... The food we eat, the air we breathe. Thank you, Lord. Thank you. Thank you. Now, how can I use all of this to bless others in order to release thanks to you? The, the more I do that, the more grateful I become. And the more I align, it's like sort of gears in the car, the more I align 
with the giving God. And, and so I, I, I know him and his heart of generosity. And that flows more and more in me and, and out. It's a beautiful thing. Paul belongs at these Corinthian Christians, new in the faith, new to all this stuff, would grow in what it means to be grateful givers. It, it kind of touches us, doesn't it? I mean, you, you know what it's like. I know it's sort of Christmas, birthday, there's a kind of culture to, to give presents. But isn't it, isn't it beautiful when just out of the blue someone gives you, just gives you something, a gift? Do you think it's the tiniest thing, just a Starbucks token, five quid? Here, I, I brought this for you. Ah. Or theatre tickets. Or here, borrow my car. Or would you like to, sort of, I've got a sort of uh, timeshare on a chalet. Do you want to, I thought you'd like a holiday. Well, look, I bought this box of chocolates or a bunch of flowers. Whatever it is. Isn't it? Isn't it? I mean, there's very few of us that go, hmm. <laughs> Flip it around. Do you remember, um, it's become a phenomenon now, sadly. But on Thanksgiving, Black, is it Black Friday? Is that what it's called? And I, saw, I just saw some of the sort of news things where, you know, the doors, these sort of security guys, and they're by the door, there's a great crowd, and they open the door, boom! And everyone sort of pours in to sort of grab and get this Xbox, this, this is a flat screen. And you look at it. The irony is it was Thanksgiving. And it's just thanks grabbing. And, and you watch it and you think, there's something, something, something inside sort of shrank in me. It's sort of like, as humanity, we've, we've resorted to this. It was just mine, consume, hold on. We're not made that way. Because he's not that way. He doesn't know how to grab. God so loved the world he gave. His one and only son. He only knows how to give. And so when we, when we line up with him, we, 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 we develop that desire and that discipline and that hunger and that longing to join in with the giving God and to give ourselves. Our giving should be grateful. God loves a cheerful giver, Paul says at the end of verse 7. And the reason is because it demonstrates what we've grasped of God himself. He loves giving. And when we learn to love giving, we're lining up with his heart. We're becoming the people he's truly created us to be. So first of all, our giving should be grateful. Secondly, our giving should be inspired inspired now um, just just back a page why don't you flip back a, a couple of pages to 1 Corinthians chapter 16 so I said he's sort of in this conversation with the Corinthians and chapter 16 verse 1 he's raised here again the um, this collection so he's also been talking to them about this collection for the church in Jerusalem and uh, here's some really practical advice that he offers them now, about the collection for the Lord's people, do what I told the Galatian churches to do. On the first day of every week, each one of you should set aside a sum of money in keeping with your income, saving it up, so that when I come, no collections will have to be made. That's just a bit of, a, a, of sort of administrative nous. And Paul is effectively saying, um, look, you, 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 you've got some money coming in, and, and when it comes in, just you know, discipline yourself to set aside that bit for the collection, and this bit for food, that bit for everything else. Just practical stuff. And there is a practical element to the way in which we apportion the resources that God has given us. Absolutely. But here's what he says 
in the passage we just read. Verse 7. Each of you should give what you have decided in your heart to give. Each of you should give what you have decided in your heart to give. In other words, there's an element in which, uh, you know, at, at its core, our giving should be inspired from the heart. And I want to say, in a sense, from the spirit. So I think what Paul is saying here in, in the second letter to the Corinthians, notwithstanding the practical bit, is this. And let's apply it for our, our situation here. But not, not dissimilar in many ways to the Corinthian one. You know, they, they had bills to pay. They had taxes to pay. They had um, food to put on the table. They had children to look after. They had, you know, other, they had all sorts of expenses. And, and just like we do here. And I, I know, boy, I know what the living expenses are like in London. Just to try and find a house to, or a room to rent, a garage in this part of London in this part of the world I know and then the cost of living the utility bills everything if if it was down to our heads we'd never give anything we'd look at the income and go well it's going that and that and that and that oh there's nothing left in fact I need more I, I can't live on this let alone here's the vicar at church telling me to give now, in our heads we wouldn't do it I wouldn't do it that's why Paul says, decide in your heart. You know, our giving of the whole of our lives needs to be through the inspiration of God by his spirit. So look at uh, verse 8. So he wants to build this faith step that he's inspiring you to take. And God is able to bless you abundantly so that in all things, at all times, having all that you need, you will abound in every good work. God is able to bless you abundantly. Able? He wants to. He loves to. It's in his heart. Sometimes we have such a miserly view of God. I'm going to make these human beings, I'm going to place them in London 2015, and then I'm going to give them nothing to live on. (laughs) God is able to bless you abundantly. So that in all things, at all times, having all that you need, parenthesis, not necessarily all that you want, but all that you need, you will abound in every good work. Now your head will war with that, your colleagues at work will war with that, your paycheck when you get it will war with that, but your spirit, receive that in your spirit, that's true of our God. And it it can be true of our attitude towards all that we possess. It was was inspiration that led Abraham, and I won't turn to the reference now, but it's in Genesis 14 and following. And it's when Abraham, having made the covenant with God, God had called Abraham, you're going to be the father of, of my people. And Abraham, as part of his spiritual discipline, he set about giving a tithe to God. A tithe represented 10% of all that he had. All his flocks, all his herds, all his grain, all his possession, a tenth. And that was the first thing he did. And it it became enshrined in in, uh, the law of the people of Israel and all his descendants afterwards. God, through Deuteronomy and others, he kind of established, look, set aside a tenth, the first fruits, the best. Don't don't kind of, uh, that sheep's okay, that sheep's okay, that sheep's okay, that's a bit lame, God can have that, that cattle's okay. 
No, you riches the bed. Lord, I'm going to give you the very best. And take, mm, that's a crunchy apple. God can have the apples. And God can have the very best. One tenth, ten percent, everything set apart. And it was brought into the storehouse of the grain house, the centre of the community. And it was the, the sort of priestly tribes who would administrate all that the people bought as an offering to God, keeping this, this, this thanksgiving going. And God, through the law, he said, great. And what I'm going to do through this practically is I'm going to use this gift offering, this tithe, to bless others. And so you see it in different bits of, of Deuteronomy. For the widows, or the orphans, or the aliens, or the strangers, those who couldn't afford to look after themselves, they were looked after by God's people because of their generous giving. Now, no people would have conceived of that on their own. I mean, one of the things God says is part of the law in Leviticus. You know, you think, oh, Leviticus, I've got to read that. But it's interesting, because what he says is, when you go and plough your field, leave the margin. Don't plough the margin. Um, not plough. Um, um, harvest. Harvest. That, at the other end of, not a great farmer, but... So you sow it, then it grows, and then you gather it in. Something like that. Oh, Tom, perfect. He's, he's just giving me a thumbs up. So I've got that bit right. Uh, when you go and harvest, leave a fringe. So that if there are people visiting or just other people in need, they can help themselves to a tenth of your field. It's a principle deeply ingrained in the people of God. But God said that it's, it's inspired by the Spirit. So our giving needs to be inspired. And the tithe, in Old Testament times, the New Testament doesn't teach specifically about the tithe. It's an Old Testament thing. But the tithe, or 10% of all we have, it's not a tax. It's a token of thanks. Again, it's back to God, you've given me so much. Thank you for this field. Thank you for this orchard. Thank you for these livestock. And I, I'm going to give back to you and, in practical terms, include other people in your blessing. So that God is always looking to reach out and draw in through his people. That's the principle of the tithe. The New Testament doesn't talk about the tithe. It's, it's far more radical. So, so it goes back to the earth is the Lord's. Everything is the Lord's. So it's not so much kind of, um, you know, what do, I, what do I sort of give to God? Actually, it's what do I need to live? Because the rest can go to God. It's his. The New Testament challenges us not to give from what's left but to give what's right. And for some of us, in good times, bonus season or whatever it might be, some of us, we can give way more than 10%. And the New Testament doesn't preclude that. In fact, I think sometimes it encourages it. So giving that is grateful, giving that is inspired. You say to me, Tim, 10%? I mean, you're a vicar, you know, you're on a little stipend. That's peanuts. Do you know how much I earn? Do you know what 10% of what I earn would be? You're asking me to give away that amount of money? No. No, it's my third point. Giving should be visionary. I'm not asking you to give away, like sort of, you know, just here. I'm asking you to invest. Our giving is an investment into the kingdom of God. It's giving into, not giving away. It's building up, not frittering away. And as we join into the principles of God, what we sow, I come on to that in my third, fourth point, will just far exceed all, what we reap rather, will far exceed all that we sow. Our giving needs to be visionary. That's what Paul is doing here. 
This is unbelievably visionary and, and kind of courageous that he's asking the Corinthian church to do. Because, as I've said at the top, the Corinthians are Greeks. And he's asking them to give uh, new, new converts to, to Christianity, many of them. Brand new, first generation Christians. But they've come out of a background, a social political background of centuries, where as Gentiles they were excluded from the people of God, who were the Jews, the people of Israel. The church in Jerusalem are Jewish converts to Christ, but they've been steeped in the Jewish tradition. To put it in a nutshell, Paul is asking Gentiles to raise money sacrificially and generously to give to Jews by dint of their birth and background. How on earth has he got the gall to do that? It's because he's seen what the gospel of Jesus Christ does to lives. It transforms them. He confidently expects that these Greek Christians, because they've encountered the one true living God who gives so generously and has given to them so generously and has included them in, grafted them in, if you like, and because they've come to realize that, he knows that they'll see that they can give to whoever. It's not mine, it's his. I'm just passing it on. It's radical stuff. It's visionary stuff. Paul has a vision for what giving can do. It can bring Jew and Gentile together. It can bring the Corinthian church and the Jerusalem church together. What a statement to a world so torn and divided when churches work together. What about this? Just across uh, chapter 8. He's, taught, he's already been around several churches, including some churches in Macedonia. Uh, so where are we? We'll go from 8, verse 1. Now, brothers and sisters, we want you to know about the grace that God has given the Macedonian churches. In the midst of a severe trial, their overflowing joy and extreme poverty welled up in rich generosity. For I testify that they gave as much as they were able and even beyond their ability entirely on their own they urgently pleaded with us for the privilege of sharing in this service to the Lord's people and they went beyond our expectations having given themselves first of all to the Lord they gave themselves by the will of God also to us out of poverty and trial they plead please let us join in with this cycle of blessing this cycle of giving we want to grow more like God and he gives generously and sacrificially we want to too what a vision to, to grow more like God by being more like God by giving like God gives joining in with others so that the church can flourish even though they're being herded off to the lions and herded off to the uh, to, to, to the um, playground you know the, what is it the temple sort of sacrifice and so on where the, the what was it called where they um, the amphitheaters that's the one and all oh, they're just they're, they're being slaughtered and yet they want to join in they want to see this thing grow they've got a vision for what giving can achieve. Just to bring it into to land here a little bit, we have, we have such a big vision for what we could do as a church here. We're a relatively small church uh, in a relatively small patch of London, and yet we have a massive vision for what we could do. And as a result, we've kind of, as a PCC and a leadership, we've been setting a, a budget and uh, in order to, we believe God is calling us to do this and this and this and this. And in order to enable that to happen, we will need this and this resource. And it basically boils down, there's a bottom line. And the bottom line is that we need more income than we've had last year. 
I'll, I'll refresh this at the end, but just so you know now, what we've worked out we need, we put it this way, if we had 18 new givers giving at the average rate of 2014, an average giver from 2014, we've annualized 2014, and if we had 18 new givers over and above what's already been given, we will meet our basic need for this year, as we believe God has called us to, to do. Actually, just while I'm on this, I was going to say this near the end, but I'm, I'm on it now. Uh, so that's John, this is John Viney, he's drawing me a pretty graph. He's our treasurer. And insofar as I can interpret it, 18 new givers to cover, 34 new givers at the average rate of giving, 34 new givers, and we'll do all that we intend to do this year. We don't have to do, but we love to do. And 45 new givers, over and above what we already have, 45 new givers, and we would do our, we've got a sort of wildest dream. You know, we dream dreams. What would we love to do? Well, we could do that, and some, with 45 new givers. Now, I'll leave that with you. I, I, I reckon we can do that. I just, I just ask you to share the vision. Well, you, you say to me, well, look, Tim, uh, in, in practical terms, there's, there's kind of giving to God. We, we give out in obedience to God, irrespective of where the money goes. We give because God calls us to give, and we join in this cycle of blessing. Full stop, new paragraph. So where does the money go? What, what is this increase in income that you're asking for? Where, where's that going to go? Well, how do you account for that? And basically, all our costs for 2015, we estimate, are going to be pretty much the same as 2014, except in our HR, human resource, our staffing. And it, I'll be just, I want to be up front with you. It will be three people, Pat, Megan, and Macy. Uh, we had a great deal. It's through the generosity of HDB that we, had, we got sort of Pat for half price. What a bargain. <laughs> and we've been um, in conversation with HDB, and they um, have said, um, uh, now you can pay for him. <laughs> and we said, yeah, thank you. God bless you. Because what a gift Pat Allerton is to the church. Yeah. If you, if you don't know Pat, you'll get to know him. You, many of you know Pat, but just let's take this morning. He was standing giving the notices this morning, but a bit like this, this evening. There was a notice about the women's ministry, and he's a man. There's a notice about Alpha. There were some bands of marriage to read, real complicated wording. And then he announced, sadly, the death, known to some people in the morning service, the death of Hugh Schooling, 91, died in his sleep. Those were four different things, and it was seamless. He, he is so gifted. He's unbelievably gifted in the way in which he communicates. Those of you try coming up here and giving those four notices in a way that you keep everyone awake. He does it, and some. You, you, Pat, you are an amazing colleague, and I think he is well worth the money. Megan. Is Megan here? Megan! I have to say, kind of encourage Megan out. Do you want to, I, I, don't, want to, I don't want to give you the heebie-jeebies. Are you happy staying there? And I'll just embarrass you from here. Megan Walker. The thing is, we paid for... Megan joined the staff um, in June. What did I say? Oh, sorry. Megan Perkin. Got married! So she became Megan Perkin. Uh, she joined the staff um, in June. So we, we paid for half 
a year's worth of Megan. And in that half year, boy, what hasn't she done? She oversees the volunteers. So we've had two seniors teas, senior people in the, in the um, community coming and being part of the community here. And at the other end of the scale, she oversees how Sarah with the Mumbies and every age in between and every kind of life stage. We, the, the, the night shelter that we run across there, when we first did it, we could just about do half a season. Now we can do the full season and some. And it's all because Megan is helping to deploy volunteers and people who want to serve and commit and, and serve the mission of this church. And we've just got plans for that to increase and increase and increase. So we want Megan to stay on staff. Yeah. Hands up, who also wants Megan to stay on staff? Yeah. <laughs> Fantastic. Can we have Macy? Is it possible? To... Macy's gone back to the States. But Macy is basically our sort of pocket rocket from Texas. And uh, she's gone back to be with her family. But we, she made a little DVD. <laughs> That's not Macy. <laughs> Here she is. Hi, I'm Macy, and I'm the children's worker. Can we pause it? Past her husband. Sorry, just to explain, the, the technology hasn't quite caught up, so Macy, Macy's mouth doesn't catch up with her words. So we're going to look at Macy, but listen to what she says, okay? <laughs> Great. and I'm the children's worker. This past term has been phenomenal with our outcome kids. We've actually doubled in size. Not only that, we were able to put on the bright party, which I'm not sure if you heard about it, but we had a bouncy castle, we had blown in our Play-Doh, we put shaving cream on our face and used what's it to throw it at one another. Do you know the dinosaur? I'm sure you've seen him, so much fun. And then we had the carol service, which over 400 people came and we loved kids running about. Amazing. And then this next year, we're just getting really excited. Our curriculum, we're going to be learning about the life of Jesus so kids can come to know the Lord. And as well as we're going to be having Palm Sunday with all the churches around here. We'll have a donkey, we'll walk around Parsons Green. So much fun. And then what else do we have? Oh, sleepovers. We're going to have those for the kids. And we're going to be able to have the rugby party in October. And all this is only possible with your serving and your giving. And so whether it's financially giving or being a volunteer, we'd love for you to get involved and be a part of what we're doing here. Thank you all. God bless Macy. God bless Macy. Bless even more, God bless the God who blesses Macy and who's brought her with us. What a gift she is. And Megan. Uh, and Max and so many other people that I, when I think of those figureheads and then it's, it's you guys it's all the teams that uh, coalesce around those ministries and more we want to, we've got a vision to grow actually there's a mandate to get out there and to grow those things there are just on the kids stuff there are eight schools within a 10 minute walk of this church uh, ranging from nursery primary prep and secondary school they Megan and Macy are doing an amazing work in Lady Margaret the school just behind here with the CU, they've run that kind of alpha, and they're connecting with girls going through, you know, the teenage years and all that. But a phenomenal thing they're doing behind the scenes, but we'll see fruit from that. That's what we're praying for. That's what we long to see in these ready-made communities amongst which we're called to minister. Have you got a vision for that? Grateful, inspired, visionary, finally, briefly, expectant. Just, just look at the metaphor that... that um, Paul employs, running verse 6 of chapter 9. Remember this, he says, whoever sows sparingly will also reap sparingly, but whoever sows generously will also reap generously. There's a, a principle here um, that basically you, you reap what you sow. 
And so if you, if you sow sort of sparingly and grudgingly, then that's what you'll get back. But if you sow generously, if you sow big, if you sow extravagantly, courageously, boldly, in faith, you will get back way more than you receive. You reap what you sow. You reap, here's the thing, you reap after you sow. That, that's the risk, that's the faith. You give now, and I don't know, will I, when I get my return next day, I don't know. I don't know what the Lord is going to do. But I'm just asking you to join in the journey. Reap now, let's see what we sow over the year and beyond. But here's the principle. And Jesus taught this in his parables. You reap more than you sow. Way more. You know the story of the sower? Sows a seed, some on the path, some on weeds, some on rocky ground, but some in good soil. And the stuff that fell in the good soil, a tiny seed, it grew out of all proportion to that which was sown. One tiny seed, a crop 30 times, 60 times, 100 times what was sown. Not, I used to read that as 100%, like double. No, it's not double. 30 times, 60 times, 100 times. Imagine one of those kids in the school. Imagine one of the mums at Mumbies. Imagine one of the seniors coming to the tea. Imagine one of those homeless guys and being touched by God, encountering God in such a way that their lives are transformed. They could have a disproportionate impact on all that they meet and encounter as their story is told. One person, multiply it a hundred times. Be expectant. Be expectant. Final thing, and with this I finish. Do you know what annoys God? Do you know what really ticks him off? I think the prophet Malachi found it. Don't worry to turn to it. We can get it on the screen. It was just there earlier. He's in this conversation with God Will a man rob God? Yet you rob me, God says. But you ask, how do we rob you? In tithes and offerings. You are under a curse, the whole nation of you, because you are robbing me. Bring the whole tithe into the storehouse, that there may be food in my house. Test me in this, says the Lord Almighty, and see if I will not throw open the floodgates of heaven and pour out so much blessing that you will not have room enough for it. That's the promise. And it comes out of a testiness. Test me in this. Don't rob me. Don't withhold. You, you are my hands and my feet. You are my face, my image on earth. Don't give me a poor image. I'm a generous God. You give generously so that others can see just how generous I am. Do it. Don't withhold. Someone once said, if your vision doesn't scare you, it offends God. I'm slightly worried that we've gone a bit small on this. I'm slightly worried that these graphs are a little bit sort of flat. I'm a little concerned it should be boof. Because I've seen some of the cars you drive. <laughs> hey, let me just say, can I just say, so you know, and I promise you this is true. I... As the leader of the church, I take it upon myself to know who gives on a regular basis, uh, which is so helpful. The regular standing order, if you can pay that way, it's so helpful for us to, to budget. 
because we have all sort of big bills come in, insurance or whatever, and suddenly, so just to know that it's cash flow, to know what we can play with, it's so helpful. So I know who gives, and I know the amounts that are given. But here's what I discipline myself not to know, and only the treasurer and the bookkeeper know who gives what. I don't want to know that. I'm, if I'll confess this to you, I'm not strong enough. I won't be able to resist the temptation uh, if I know that you're a very generous giver to sidle up to you at the tea and say, hi. <laughs> So I, because I want to treat all of you equally, I want to treat, I just want to treat you as the Lord treats you. I, I don't want to be skewed. I don't think I could take that knowledge. I, I confess that to you. So I'd rather not know it. So I know who gives and I know what is given, but I don't know the correlation. And I ask the treasurer that when we're in conversation, they're sending me documents. I say, please, can you make sure that the documents you're sensitive to, I don't see. Okay. But I'm just saying, as I live around here, I've got an idea what lawyers and accountants and consultants earn. And I know I can do maths on 10%. So I've got a rough idea on what we could, the, the giving potential of this area in general and this church in general. I reckon we could, we, God and us, if he says that to Malachi and he says that to us now, couldn't we just blow this place apart? I reckon we could meet this target tonight, frankly. I know this sounds a bit strong, but I only get to speak twice a year on it, so I'm just making the most. <laughs> so I wanna, I'm going to close there. Uh, just with this, uh, this idea that the earth is the Lord's and that God loves a cheerful giver and that we can join in the grace of giving to bless others and include them in the blessing of God. So what we're going to do as we come to a close is uh, we're going to worship because actually giving is part of our worship. And by way of response, we've got um, this uh, offering basket here. Uh, there are a number of ways in which practically you can respond. On your tables, uh, there's that reminder to the Lepton app, and also on the tables, and I'd love it if you could pass it around a pens, and there's a standing order and a gift aid form. They're, they're uh, on the back, these, these A5 forms. That's a standing order form, and on the back is a gift aid form. If you're a taxpayer in the UK, then we can reclaim the tax. And so your giving is, is it 20% now? I can't remember what it is, but it's 25. We get an extra 25% back on whatever you give if you pay tax in this country. Um, uh, so we, I'd love just to allow a little bit of time as the band are getting ready to come back and before we worship in song, for you to press.